Hi, Mason. It's Friday, and this is the Friday show. Now that Howard Hawkin is done picking Doritos out of his <laughs> teeth, we can actually get down to recording this. Uh, firstly, welcome, Howard. How yeah, are you? Fine, thank you. Full. No more Doritos in your teeth? Uh, just a couple, but I'll sort that during the show. So. Okay, excellent. And we're joined by Goals Sam Lee. Welcome, Sam. Welcome to you as well. I don't know why I've said that. You threw, you threw me, I think, with the Doritos chat. <laughs> 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 should, we, should we crack on? Because that was it's, a bad start. It's it's Friday. It's it's yeah. all right. We can be. A, I am. Yeah, I am very. Friday. I am very chilled out on this Friday. So yeah, that's that's my excuse. Excellent. Uh, okay. Well, listen. Before we talk, uh, before we talk about the main show things, I've got an opening question from Blue Ranger from Twitter. Hi, mate. Uh, and he asks if Pep only stays for the duration of his contract, who should replace him at the end of next season? It's an interesting way to actually phrase that question: Who should replace him at the end of next season? Because it it is a Sounds sharp, remi- yeah, sharp reminder that that's not actually that far away. Um, Sam, is there a natural successor to Pep out there currently who you look at and go, "That's the guy"? Got to be. Well, when I, when I saw this question, immediately now the one I'm thinking is Pochettino. Well, I suppose that's. That makes a lot of sense, but I, I kind of wonder if I'm trying to I'm trying to work out because he doesn't really like Guardiola and his his opportunity to have a go back at him about the Harry Kane stuff that was born out of the fact that he doesn't like him. Um, and but I'm just wondering if he'd want to come in because if Guardiola left at the end of next season, it would probably be because he hasn't won anything or he hasn't done as well as everybody's expecting it to go at the moment. Mm. So if he were to go at the end of next season, it would probably mean. It'd, it'd probably have had a disappointing three years. And I wonder if Pochettino would come in and go, I can do better than that. So that'd be interesting. Um, the only other one I've, I think is slightly interesting now, just, and I've only started thinking about this recently because he might become he might come on the market because of Real Madrid's problems. It would be interesting to see how Zidane does in, a, in another job. Interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm really, I've no idea which way it would go, but I've been thinking about this from a United point of view because I can see, well, no, me and you were just talking about this a minute ago, but I can see uh, Mourinho leaving potentially before the end of the season if everything's as bad as it's supposed to be. And I was just wondering, who would you take then? And because Zidane may be available, would you take Zidane? So throwing that over to the City side of things... It would be it would be interesting to see how how Zidane would work because he's obviously he took over a, a difficult dressing room, didn't he? That had obviously had a big part in getting Benitez out, um, but he did obviously he did more than just play to their egos and and let them crack on because you you can't win what he's won by just keeping it simple and let, letting them do what they want. So it'd be interesting to see how he does at another club, and it'd be particularly interesting to see what he could do at City. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm surprised that you've not gone with the um, with the hipster names that I expected you to throw at me, Sam. Before I mention who they are, let's see if Howard throws them at me, Mr. Harkin. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say because I don't know who you're talking about. I don't. Klopp's not hipster anymore, so he's lost. No. He's lost the hipster tag. Uh, Napoli manager is he hipster? Yeah, is he the hipster one? Yep. He's he's number one on number one on hipsters' lips at the moment. Napoli play the most beautiful football in Europe, according to Pep. It's, well, it's certainly an option. Well, firstly, I don't. Sam's pretty much summed it up. I don't. I think Guardiola stays longer than three years. If he doesn't, it's been mm-hmm. a, you know <laughs> the season tails off into disaster, and the next one's the same, which seems rather unlikely right now. So I don't. Yeah, it's weird that we're talking 18 months away, but I don't think he'll be going. I don't know the vibes are. Sam will know more. Is that he's here for longer. Uh, and my first thought was Pochettino, but he's got more. He'll either stay where he is, perhaps go to Real Madrid, or I would imagine United will want him. Uh, and it's probably, if we're being realistic, it's probably a route to City is probably not very likely at all. Uh mm. There's not, there's not a lot stands out. Nothing stands out in the Premier League, and you know if I've not watched a huge amount of European football, but Sarri is the one that has impressed me the most. I mean, the Wolves manager impresses me, but you know, it's not, is managing Wolves really a precursor to? Uh, yeah, watch mm. a few of their games are brilliant, but that's a different level, isn't it? I don't mean just our cup game. He's doing good things there, but I don't think he's a sort. Of, you know, I don't think they dip into that sort of. Into a championship manager, 
they'd probably go for a big name, wouldn't they? And and mm. Vieira, who was once touted as being, you know, trained up, hasn't really, you know, I don't really, I, I have very little interest in American football uh, or US football, so, but it doesn't seem to be uh, really doing much over there. I assume they've lost the playoffs by now. Uh, so there's not a lot of obvious candidates. So, yeah, it's Savio Pochettino for me. Okay, fair enough. Um, I would. I'm surprised that neither of you mentioned um, Julian Nagelsmann. The um, oh, come on, Sam, you're a hipster. Who does he manage right now? Hoffenheim. Okay, so and he's been but, yeah, but it's what I, I mean. I haven't said that because maybe maybe I'm unwilling to take the risk, but it's that really, isn't it? You 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 want to go and see how they do somewhere else first. It's not like. It's not like top players now where they move to a big club and you think you've missed a chance, you're never going to be able to sign them. Managers move around and if he goes and proves himself somewhere else, then yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, as Howard says, I think Pochettino probably is going to end up at Real Madrid out of the lot. But if I had a choice for, for City, then it would be Pochettino, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Well, yeah, I'd have, I, I'm just surprised neither of you mentioned Nagelman or Tuchel because those those were the two with The thing, the thing is, though, Tuchel yeah. surely would have expected to get a job a good job by now, but when he started being linked with Everton, I don't think his little career sabbatical has panned out the way he hoped. Well, is there, firstly, nobody's been appointed for that buying job full time yet. And you would think that if Nagelsmann doesn't get it in the summer, then, then Tuchel will get that job. Um, and there haven't really been any big jobs going uh, and if you look at the way that Dortmund's season has suddenly fallen off a cliff, uh, I wonder if even the the powers that be at Dortmund are, are beginning to wonder whether it was a smart move to bring the um, the fella who rolled over for United in the Europa mm. League final last Peter Bosch, season. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, enough enough of enough of Pep leaving talk because too much <laughs> of it makes me feel a little queasy. Um, let's talk a little bit about Man City. Firstly, what I wanted to do was just have a what I like to call a long view look back at the uh, at the Arsenal game on my notes I've written was that another statement win and and I'll tell you why I wrote that and then you can tell me what you both think for me it was a statement win because I felt as though we had those run of fixtures in the lead up to um, to the Arsenal game that were relatively winnable and we won them all and that left only the Arsenal game for us to pick up 12 points out of 12 in that run of four. Um, and it, it just felt as though with Sanchez coming to, to uh, coming to us for the first time since all that transfer stuff, for some reason, for me, it felt like a potential big banana skin and it felt like Arsenal would come with a point to prove. Um, and in the end, it was just comfortable and it wasn't even... It wasn't even like we got out of second or third gear to beat them. So for me, that's that's a pretty big statement to be uh, to basically be just begin to win successive games, including big games, without really feeling like you need to be at your best. Sam, I'm going to start with you. Uh, am I being fair by saying that City weren't at their best and that it was a cruise or it was was easy for them? Um, and do you feel no, that it was with that. a statement win? Um, yeah, I thought. Well, I think I think it had, if it had gone the other way, and City had have lost or not won, then people would have started going, "Oh, well, look, they played a decent team now." Even though it's Arsenal, but people would have done it because that's how everyone works, fans and media alike. You kind of bigger team up to suit your argument, but yeah, um, if they'd not beaten Arsenal, it would have been, "Oh, look, they're not that good after all, are they?" Or oh, they've had a test and they failed. So to win it, and as 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 we seem to agree on, kind of in second gear, really. You know, it was an impressive enough performance because they won three one without being that impressive. Um, they weren't at the top of their game, uh, and it wasn't like a huge statement. I think Chelsea was the probably the standout. Well, Chelsea and Napoli away were probably the standout statement wins of the season, and I'd probably put Watford slightly below that just because of Watford's quality is just below the other two teams. Um, but I, I just think City are kind of making statements every week, aren't they? Just be, just, mm. just winning every game is is not easy. 
Howard, is the title ours to lose already? Well, yeah, if you're eight points clear, then I guess it is. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> you, you feel you feel that's a, you feel that's a big you feel that's a big enough gap because basically I'm making that statement now in preparation for when we come back after the international break and I suspect that the narrative moving forward is very much going to be this is City's title to lose now is that fair in November with so many games left to play? No, I'm, not even you're a right. third of the way through. Yeah, the exactly. Season. Uh, so. Some of you were approaching the halfway of the season and we're not, you know, in a, an actual board sheet article the other day and we're nowhere near that. So, yeah, it's a long, long time. It is too early, but when you get an eight-point lead, it's still yours to lose in a way. Uh, it's semantics, really, isn't it? I, yeah, mm. I, we can't get ahead of ourselves. There's, nothing's finished, nothing's done. Uh, but you couldn't have asked for much more at this stage, to be honest, and it's totally in the driving seat, so... Okay. Well, it got me thinking about the last time that we were in this kind of position. Um, actually, shout out to Mike number five on Twitter who, who who actually threw this up. In November of 2011, we were in a in, in a similar situation in terms of the lead that we had at the top of the Premier League, and and also just the way that we were playing football and we were slapping teams. We'd been at Old Trafford and slapped them six one. Um, and yet we threw that lead away in December and, and uh, January and February and found ourselves in the end like seven or eight points adrift of United in, in March. Um, why is this season different? What's different about this season? Or do you think that there isn't anything different and that potential exists that there could be a swing of that size? So basically a 16-point swing where... We drop eight and somebody gets another eight and goes up, goes up ahead of us. Um, Howard, I'll start with you. Uh, I'll be honest, yeah. The the way the media are talking, they are getting ahead of themselves. I've seen a lot of journalists say teams are fight, other teams are fighting for second now. And as we've just mentioned in the last answer, it's not over. We could uh, we could lose points, but it obviously depends that another team would also have to have a pretty brilliant run just to catch us up because they can't drop either just to make up that gap is it different from 2000 well it's just it is slight it's on a different level I mean I thought until this season that was some of the best you know that early season that early part of the season with Mancini was the best football I'd I'd seen period Hmm. and it was it was astonishing to watch but this feels just slightly different it just feels that we've gone up another level. I think the squad's stronger, the depth's bigger, and you've, you've pretty much summed it up when you mentioned the Arsenal team. I don't think we were totally on form in that game, but we won. We won by two goals, and we probably should have had a couple more, and that's the difference. We've got a hell of a lot of games coming up. You just don't know. You know they could go on a slump, but this just seems... On a, it just seems like the bar's been raised again this time round. The depth of the squad, you know, if someone doesn't perform, there's pretty much someone else, give or take a couple of positions, there's someone else to come in. And it just feels more balanced as a whole. Uh, okay. Though you probably couldn't have seen it coming last time around. So, yeah, you've got to be aware of it. There's, nothing's been decided. Uh, but I think we've got the tools now to see us through a difficult winter. What do you think that those tools are? So what, what what I mean by that question is more, why is this different to 2011 then? Like when you say that we've got the tools to get through, are you just talking about the depth in the squad? Yeah. Depth in the squad, players are just performing a system that no one has got an answer to really. Mm. And it's just the goal threat's just even bigger than it was in past season, you know, in our two title winning seasons, and the goal threat was enormous then. Uh, and you mentioned mm. off there, obviously, the Tevez problem. You know, we weren't. If you think that we didn't have Tevez for about four or five months, or however long it was, then, you know, bar two of our players going on strike or two serious injuries, the depth is far bigger at the moment. Yeah. 
Sam, what mm. about for you? Do you think that um, do you think everybody needs to calm down as kind of an outsider who covers City? Um, do you think we all just need to calm down a little bit, or do you think this is different and and we can already in November <laughs> begin to look at the title as ours to lose? Well, you see what I'm saying. <laughs> I think kind of objectively, City are the favourites and deservedly so. Um, I mean, as a fan, you never want to kind of, you never want to think that no matter who you are. Mm. Um, but they are the favourites. And but, I mean, maybe I'm getting caught up in it and maybe it'll come back to haunt me saying this now if, if something goes wrong. And as I said to Howard last week, you know, fo- football's mad. And the only, the only real reason I, you know, well, the, the only main reason that makes me think City may not win the league now is because football's mad and something could happen. But in terms of that comparison with Mancini's team, I mean, look how it ended with Mancini. Um, And, you know, look at the problems with the players he had then. So it wasn't entirely happy dressing room, was it? But if you look at how it seems to be now at City, everything seems to be rosy, doesn't it? Um, And it's just like, we never know the full picture, but things are certainly looking good and the other thing I would say and this is where maybe I'll get caught out in the future if it doesn't quite pan out as it seems but I really do think you know Guardiola's putting together something special at City I think you've got the best manager in the world and some fantastic players that he knows exactly what to do with and I think I think this has got the potential to be the best team in Premier League history. And I, I just think it's something different. I think it's, I just don't think we've, we've ever had a manager like Guardiola before. Obviously Ferguson is kind of like a freak in his own right that won't be replicated. But at the same time, there's never been somebody like Guardiola with the attention to detail. And I mean, we're seeing already, aren't we, with the, with some of City's wins that this is a special team. And if it carries on like this, then it is, it, it is just going to be, it is just going to be a special team, I think. And, that's why I kind of think City objectively are favourites to win it. And they, they could go on and win it a lot. But you, you, you never do know in football because something might could always happen and you never know what it is. It's always it's always something different, like the, the Tevez-Mancini thing that had never been seen before and it happened. So we'll have to wait and see. But I, I do think that City are favourites for a reason. Okay, fair enough. So there's nothing that you can nothing you can say to me that will dampen my spirits or that will, you know... <laughs> well, the, uh, the only it. other thing is, like, oh, well, if, if there's an injury kind of thing, but Mendy and company have already been out for ages and there's not been a problem whatsoever, basically. Well, so yeah, I mean, if, you, if you get more, fine. But, you know, that's you wouldn't say that's like a weakness in the squad or anything. It's just what could happen. But they've kept one enough so far. It's hardly a huge uh, cause for concern. No, totally. I think that's one of the, the, the big things in terms of, you know, my personal confidence. It probably comes down to the fact that we did lose, you know, we did end the transfer window going, well, look, as long as Mendy doesn't get injured, Vinny doesn't get injured, or one of the two forwards, Aguero or Jesus, don't get injured, we'll be fine. And then the window closed and within two weeks, all three of them dropped. And it was just a little bit like, oh, okay. Mm. And then, yet yeah, we just didn't feel those, you know, Vinny's still out and... You know, obviously, when we come back, Otamendi will be suspended. So let's hope that that he'll be back by then. But you know, we haven't really felt haven't really felt those injuries yet. It just is. It's felt like whereas maybe with with the Mancini the Mancini team the Mancini era, as as good as we were, there was always the undercurrent of you know this could all just fall in a heap at any given moment because. The personalities involved was so combustible, mm. and the squad was so combustible, and you know, it just it didn't lend itself to stability in the way that I kind of feel like we're more stable now, both off the pitch as well as on the pitch, which I think is is important. Okay, um, let's talk about the uh, two lads who have withdrawn from 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 international duty. Firstly, Delphin Sterling. Um, Sam, are you bothered? <laughs> um, what as in if it if it could be serious or if they if they pulled? No, am I, mean, I bothered about England them putting out for England? Yeah, uh, from an England perspective, um, is mm. this a? I'm trying to. I, I've seen both sides here. I've seen I've seen players, well, ex players, come out and say that all players want to play for England, whether it's a friendly or it's. A, competitive yeah, game and players who pull out true, they it? pull out because they're injured how do you think about that yeah well I mean that that's not true is it um, you just 
And you, you can see why that wouldn't be true as well. I think it's just a reality these days that the calendar is so crowded. And look, these players, most of them, the, the, if the pundits are talking about those players who want to play for England no matter what, these are the ones who are just coming into the squad or like maybe like a rare few who just love it every time. But most of these players, they're used to such better setups, high-profile games. And then going from that, to a couple of friendlies, I mean, you can see why they're not really bothered. And at the same time, the calendar's so strong. They're just thinking, well, if I want to have any chance of getting through to the World Cup or just playing a full season or not getting injured, then you can you can see why they've gone. I'll have a, I'll have a couple of weeks off, actually. It makes... It does... It's understandable. I mean, it's I suppose it's unfortunate from an England point of view and there's there'll be a lot of people who, who wish it wasn't the case. Um, but... It's. I can completely see where they're coming from. That they don't. Want, that if they if they've decided to pull out because they don't want to go, I, I can understand why. Okay. They might actually you don't be think... injured, might they? So, yeah. Yeah, as well said. Like if if they have pulled out because they don't want to be. I well, mean, Gareth Southgate's not... actually commented you know, the other week. I think that a few, you know, quite a few England players are too uh, assured of their place in his team, but that's because the first eleven is quite obvious and. They don't need to play in friendlies. You know, they're assured for a reason because the depth isn't yeah, there. Yeah, and uh, I think well, that's what I mean about keeping themselves fit as well. Because they're not. They don't think if I don't play this friendly, I'm going to get dropped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, players. and yeah, you know, Southgate mm. says that that's a worry. But at the end of the day, he doesn't need to learn anything about these players, does it? You know, there's a lot of players that he knows about and who are going to be if they're fit, will be starting next summer. Rafael Honigstein, you know, the German journalist, yeah, yeah. has mentioned on a, on a podcast that. Uh, it's very different for the German squad because there's such competition for mm. the front, especially in attacking positions or attacking midfielder positions that they all want to play in every game because it's like a job interview for them. It, you know, it's a it's an audition to try and get themselves in that win, uh, mm. that squad next summer. But with the England squad, there's only there's probably. It's the fringe players, really, who are fighting for a few places. They're the only ones who will take anything from these games. Mm. Um, do you do you think that it's a little bit... Like, if you look at the two teams that they're playing, because they're playing Germany and because they're playing Brazil and because of the quality of opponents that they've played throughout the, um, uh, the qualifiers, most of them are just dross, isn't there an argument to be made that even though these two games are friendlies, they're kind of important? Because you are playing decent quality opposition, and oh, so no, they are they are important. But I'm just thinking from the from the players' point of view, though. You're just thinking, well, yes, they're a good team, but we'll we'll go and play good teams when we play for Spurs next week, or you know, we'll, we'll, when we when Spurs are playing Arsenal next week, they'd rather play in that um, a friendly against Germany to a, an England international of forty, fifty caps, or even less than that. Now, it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't mean as much as it does. You know, they're important games, and there's there's a, definitely a value to them for for Southgate and the coaching staff and the rest of the players and the fans or whatever. But I just think you know, for Deli Ali and Harry Kane and Sterling, it's not the end of the world, is it, if they don't play? Yeah. Do you think they need to look into? Do you think they need to look at this international calendar then, Sam? Well, no, I don't think it's so much the international calendar because how how many how many games can you actually get? And how how many could you cut? It's not it's not bloated. Whereas you look at the domestic calendar and you go, "We'll just get rid of the league cup straight off the bat." Yeah, and you've saved yourself a couple of games there. Um, but with the internationals, you know, the managers do still need time with their players. Um, and you know, it's it's a very selfish thing. Maybe maybe it's just because I live on Twitter during the international break. But when there's a game on and it's, oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe Roberto Martinez is starting Lukaku or De Bruyne or whoever against old Gibraltar. There's only Gibraltar. Go, yeah, well, I mean, that does make sense to to you as a City fan or me as a United fan or whatever, but he still wants to see his best team in a game. Yeah, it's only against Gibraltar. But how many yeah. how many opportunities do you actually have yeah. to see his best team all together? Yeah. So that, that's that's why they need it. and. In terms of looking at the international calendar, like I say, there's there's not too many obvious games I could think of which need cutting. Well, because there's, there's playoffs. I think on, every second counts. I mean, there's playoffs on now anyway, so they'd probably have had to have a break yeah. from the domestic season because you don't know who's going to yeah. be in the playoffs. So teams are always going to arrange friendlies if they're not doing the playoffs. 
Uh, I just mm. think I think the friendlies nearer to the tournament will be of much more use than the ones right now. But yeah, they're always going to arrange games, aren't they? So I just don't think the players are really going to learn much about themselves. Uh, and I don't know what Southgate will learn, to be honest. I don't know. Fair enough. I mean, because yeah, it's not yeah. it's not a tournament <laughs> condition, is it? And it's not the team that he's going to put out at any point. So. I don't think much will be learnt, to be honest, but I can understand why they happen, obviously, and I can see the man, you know, if you're Southgate, you see a completely different perspective. Of course. Um, hey, Sam, just very quickly, is because uh, Delph was apparently injured after the Arsenal game, so is there anything to be worried about there? I'm not, I'm not heard because obviously he missed the last international break as well and it was like, oh, what's this mm-hmm. going to be? And then it just turned out he was fine and it was nothing serious. Um, I'll, I'll add, I'll add like what he said in the mix zone with the, the massive caveat that they always say this, but he walked past in the mix zone and he wouldn't do an interview and I went, how's the injury? And he just turned back and he put his thumb up and just gave like the nod and kind of patted his face a bit to say, yeah, it's fine. But okay. they do always say that. Um, Aguero says it all the time, even when he's like definitely out for a month. Um, <laughs> so it's it is kind of hard to know. But I mean, I'm, I'm actually off this week, believe it or not. I've done two podcasts, but I am off this week, so I've not I've not been asking any questions to to find out how how he actually is. And I mean, the Sterling one's probably the most interesting one because nobody even thought that he might be injured. But I, I can see that just being another international injury where you rest a player who is susceptible to. I don't know. Well, he said he pulled out friendlies before, hasn't he, for being tired? And I think that's probably one of the things that's counted against him in the in the media and with a lot of fans because that was a few years ago. He might have still been at Liverpool at the time, but that didn't go down well. No, it's not, not yeah. quite how I. I think that was uh, twisted somewhat. I'm sure he was in the squad. Told the manager that he felt tired, but was still mm-hmm. available for uh, selection. The manager might have been Hodgson. You know. But, Oh, it was definitely Hodgson. Didn't play him because he said that. So he did pull out or anything like that. But it's always been painted that, oh, I'm too tight. This rich football was too tight to play football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he literally, yeah. The, Within any player, they're monitored all the time. They're asked how they feel. And he get, you know, he yeah, said, yeah, I, no, it's I feel, yeah, I feel I about five. Time all he said was, I feel about up. 5% under my optimum, you know. So yeah. he didn't play him in the next game. And that's all it was, to be honest. So, uh, but of course, it's just another... Way to get it Sterling in a way, isn't it? Yeah. So. Well, I, th- I think that's part. I think that probably comes into why he gets so much stick now, yeah. which is a whole other podcast. And it's, we've talked about it a lot, haven't we? But I think that's definitely part of it. Yeah. What well, is just the fact that the, the fact that he said he was tired for England? Yeah, yeah. You, you well, and again, ago. you know, you know, our stories take on a life of their own during international breaks. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember that being a big thing at the time, and yeah, I remember reading the details about it and thinking, storming a teacup. But that's just how it yeah. is, isn't it? During the international break. Yeah, no. unless someone calls slow- him a diver and no one bothers talking about it <laughs> it's a slow news cycle the international break Sam isn't it, it certainly is excellent um, so I'll take okay. two weeks off <laughs> let's have a look at City's next four league games in particular and what they tell us about where we could find ourselves uh, on Derby Day in early <laughs> December so the next four league games are Leicester, Huddersfield Southampton and West Ham before we go to the Swamp to play United. Um, Howard, looking at those four games, what sort of a points total do you expect from those four? Uh, ten. I think Leicester's, I think Leicester's very tricky indeed. You know, even if we ignore the abomination from last season, that first half hour or whatever, uh, it's a, Tricky match. They've got a new manager. They're playing okay. You know, they're not the league positions, not what it should be. I don't think it tells you about the team. And I hope Guardiola will obviously look at it a different way and not play such a high line. It plays into their hands, but it'll be a tricky match. I think they will be tricky pos- uh, opposition at their home stadium for anyone they meet this season from now on. Uh, but the three after that should be one. Really should. So it's ten or twelve, really. Should be. Do you think that? Do you think the fact that those three come in the same week because that's the one caveat, I guess, that on paper they might look like relatively straightforward fixtures, but as I understand, it's Huddersfield on the Saturday, Southampton on Wednesday, West Ham on Sunday, or some 
some some correlation like that, some amalgamation of those days. Um, Howard, do you think that that makes a difference, or would you still expect, even though it's three games in a week, you still just we need to take nine points from those three? Yeah, I mean, it works the same for the other team, isn't it? So uh, we're not the only one playing three times in a week. So, but we've got the you know, if we don't pick up the injuries over the international break, then. We've got leeway there, haven't we? Because we've still not, mm. we've still got some top players who aren't playing much. So, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, uh, there's plenty of options there. And if company's back, if yeah, ten foot billboard, if uh, yeah, then it shouldn't be a problem, really. To be honest, again, it's only, it's only an injury, a spate of injuries that makes that changes that situation. Hmm. Um, hey Sam, mm. uh, what are your thoughts on those four games? I've got another question for you, but firstly, just quickly give me your thoughts on those four games. Uh, yeah, all, all things being as they are, without any big injuries or anything like that, um, City should win all of them. Okay, um, I, I'm the same with Howard. If you look at it as a as a group of four, then you think, well, oh, maybe they'll drop points somewhere along the line. But looking at each one, I can't see where they actually would. Um, Again, just just part of this whole football's mad thing, and maybe they'll go to a difficult ground. Maybe Huddersfield on the day will be a really difficult environment, and they yeah. might end up only getting a frustrating draw. But at the same time, they could easily win that five nil. So, look, yeah, I, I, looking at them, I can see it being a, a clean sweep on paper. But we don't have to okay. think about that, don't we? I can see Huddersfield being like the Brighton earlier in the season. Can yeah, it could be quite mm. frustrating, but ultimately a two nil win or something. Yeah, see, um, I, I kind of, I, I think you've got to take 12 again. I think it's similar to the run before Arsenal where, you know, it's. I think the league title is, is, is going to be won now in the next sort of six, eight weeks. And I think that, you know, for us, it's about the win, the games that you've got to win, the bottom, you know, everything outside of the top six. That, that's 14 teams that you should be beating home and away. And I think that that more and more, like I look, I kind of a little bit also look at the way that Guardiola's teams in the past, Barcelona and Bayern Munich, the way that they've dealt with league title challenges. And it's it's very clear that they hit a rhythm. And once they hit that rhythm, the only thing that upsets that rhythm tends to be a big game or the Champions League. And I think that we've shown in the Champions League that we're we're okay at making that switch. We went from from playing Napoli to playing Arsenal and won both games. So... So that's big. But Sam, the question I've got for you and, and Howard, then I, I want you to consider it as well, is um, I've noticed, I, I'm I'm a keen observer of the media, as people who follow <laughs> me on Twitter will know, and and I've noticed there's a, an interesting kind of shift again, whereas two weeks ago I felt like, you know, everybody was putting City kind of up on a pedestal and going, aren't they amazing? And now it's almost like City exists outside of the league in the sense mm. that it's like everybody else is talked about and it's like, we won't talk about Man City because they're just like different to everybody else. And I wonder if, you know, again, I'm not saying that because I was complaining two weeks ago that they were building Pep up to knock him down. Um, So maybe I'm trying to have my cake and eat it. But what I'm wondering, Sam, is that is there a danger if we win those four and, you know, let's say that United and Spurs both drop two points in that period that we would that we win those four games, so we go into the United game with a ten point lead. Where really, even if they beat us at Old Trafford, it means very little. Do you think it really will become a case then of uh, what I'm trying to get at is is there a moment at which the media need to give City and and Pep credit for really doing something special? Will they do it, or will it be what I'm saying that it will just be a case of well, we won't even talk about City because they're just so far ahead of everyone else. Um, I. I s- I've noticed a kind of similar trend, but in a slightly different way. And I don't know if it's a if it's in the media or just just knobhead accounts on on Twitter. But it it seems to have shifted from oh, let's wait and see how they react when they lose, as if they've just been winning by a fluke. It seems to have shifted from that after beating Napoli and Arsenal. They seem to have gone oh well, they're not going to lose now. It's because of the money they've spent. That seems to be the shift for me. But it it fits into what you're saying about the kind of lack of credit given. Um, if it well, yeah, if it does keep going like this, and City win the league playing the football they've been playing so far, then 
I mean, no, nobody could say, oh, if, but, or whatever, you know, no, in terms of like a mainstream oh, media Alison thing. Alison Rudd no, could. I don't mean to cut you off, but, but you know my feelings on Alison Rudd, and she could definitely say it would be in spite of Guardiola. Sorry, um, Sam, carry on. Yeah, but I don't, would that really have any credibility if anyone yeah. were to say that? Because if, you know, we, we are talking if the big billboard that Howard was talking about with companies fitness, but if City <laughs> win the league, playing the kind of football that they have done so far, presumably they'd win it by a lot of points. Um, there wouldn't be too many ways you could discredit that, I don't think. Um, I don't know. It is a bit of a weird one. It is kind of just, can we just acknowledge the fact that they are really good and they are really good, yes, because they've got good players, but also because I don't see these good players playing this kind of football at any other club ever, like ever in England. So I'm not. Do you sure. think, I think it is strange this lack of. Lack do you think of credit. that more credit was given to Conte last season for hmm. his yeah, yeah, system? Yeah. And I put that in 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 quotation marks, yeah. just purely in the sense that it very much felt like they were that that there was a moment last autumn when where everybody went. Now Conte's a genius because mm. he's come here and he's figured this league out and he's gone bang 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 and look at what they're doing now, um, and it's taken Guardiola a little bit longer. And I'm curious, would it be the same if Mourinho wasn't in the league? Or do you think that a little bit of the kind of, maybe I'll throw this at you first, Howard. Do you think that there's a, do you think that one of the reasons that Pep maybe Pep isn't going to get the credit that he deserves whilst Mourinho is in the league because of the, um, how do I say this? Because of the relationship Mourinho has got with the media in Britain. Well, I don't know. To be honest, I think it's the it's been actually being used the opposite way as a stick to beat Mourinho with, because it's just making him look worse at the moment. Uh, I've often said about Conte that you know what he did was superb last season, but he just had one tournament in a way to deal with. You know, he just had mm. that to deal with, and it was a different situation. And he's you know he's obviously finding it a bit harder this season, but. Yeah, the Mourinho thing, the Mourinho-Pep relationship thing has been tedious from the start, to be honest, and I do try and ignore it as much as possible. But if anything, I think it's a stick to beat Mourinho with now because it's making his football brand look even worse. Uh, and the tide will turn, the narratives change every two weeks. So, But I don't think we can complain too much about the coverage uh, Pep's getting right now at this moment. Because I've never seen a manager, a city manager, praised so high to the heavens, yeah, you know, so regularly by so many uh, different journalists. It's pretty undeniable, though. I think that you know, I, maybe maybe I asked that, maybe I couched that question in the way that I couched it in is because I feel like it's really taken for it to be, you know, basically we've not lost the game yeah. and we're we're well into November now and we're racking up cricket scores against a lot of the teams yeah. that we've played and we've not lost in the Champions League and it's like literally and all that stuff about, you know, well, this Man City team, they can't defend and Guardiola's team, they can't def- you can't play like that in the Premier League and all of the last season's narrative. I just feel as though it's being brushed under the carpet and like for example, Sam, I'd be interested to know, again, your take on this. Don't you think that not enough focus has been paid on City's defence since the start of the season and how all of the good things that they've done are built out of the fact they're just not conceding goals? Yeah, well, I think think this kind of ties into the Conte thing as well. Um, Like, what Conte did was kind of easier to understand and... In terms of like a storyline, they were terrible, weren't they, at the start of the season? They got battered by Arsenal. And then he changed the three at the back. And it was like, that was the turning point. And everyone in the media and in, in stadiums as fans or whatever is obsessed with turning points. So they had their turning point. They changed the three at the back. And then it was just good old-fashioned man management, wasn't it? It was getting Victor Moses to play right wing back and it being great. Um, but with, with City and Guardiola, it's just kind of like, oh, well, all of a sudden these players are playing really good football and... We're not really sure why it is because maybe some people have already said, well, it doesn't make sense. And I've spoke to Howard last week about certain journalists who think, you know, that they don't see a, they don't see a correlation between playing out from the back and the goal City are scoring. It's just like 
I don't, I don't get why they're playing out from the back. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, well, do, is it a case that some people literally don't understand what's what's going on? And I am no tactical expert. Do not get me wrong. I wouldn't say I am. Um, and I, I, I really, I really not. I'm not. It's just not modesty or anything. I'm just not. But I, mm. I can see why, just from paying attention, I can see how playing out from the back in the various ways they do it, just as a broad concept, I can see how that benefits the team. But I think a lot of people don't. And I don't think it's as obvious to grasp as what Conte did because it was a great achievement in its own right. But like I say, it was it was a bit more easy to digest. But with City, it's just kind of like, hmm, good players getting good results not really sure what to say about this and it's just kind of that's kind of part of it and I suppose the other thing about the defenders is if you look at it on paper they conceded two against Stoke the wind against Napoli was still a kind of 4-2 so the way people look at high scoring wins and teams like this is it's kind of oh well they score loads of goals but they defend as well Let, let's see when they can't score so maybe they think the defence isn't as solid because like it was 7-2 against Stoke and 4-2 against Napoli exactly yeah well this is it I, you know I, I, I'm not one of the ones you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here, and I suppose you are mm. too but I'm not the one sure. saying City's defence are bad I'm just trying to scramble around for reasons why why people maybe don't give them that credit maybe it's because they have conceded a couple of goals in a couple of games, but as far as I know, they're still still the best defensive record in the country, and that is for a reason. And again, it's because of the whole system. It's because when you know when Guardiola says it's not just attack and defence, it's the whole team. You know, in this City team, he's he's particularly right, and I just think maybe it's a little harder to to digest for some people than you know the kind of obvious tweaks that the Conte did, and obviously. They were such a shambles after Mourinho. He's had to, he's turned that around so it looked more impressive as well because of what he inherited. Mm. Well, the likes of so the um, likes of Rudden, like Neil Custis, will never acknowledge Guardiola. Mm. So, never. Don't matter what he does. Yeah, they made a decision. They don't like him. Uh, so, I guess the defense is just the easiest. I mean, you can't do the attack. <laughs> Yeah, when you scored, I don't know how many we've scored so far this season, but it's a stupid number. So it's just the easiest thing for them to attach, you know, to find something desperately to have a go at. So, yeah, I also That's think some of it is maybe even maybe even positive people who like like myself or you know people who who see what see what Guardiola's doing. I think everybody naturally, even you know City fans, will look for something. Just to be like, well, let's not get carried away. We don't want to look stupid by hailing this team as the best ever. Let's let's see if there's a weakness or something that could potentially be got at. And I don't think yep. that's necessarily done maliciously, like some people may do, look, to try and look to play down City's achievements so far or their performances so far. Maybe some of it is 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 more well-meaning, just in just in the name of not getting carried ahead of it, not getting carried away, and also just in the name of. Just trying to like apply a bit of sensible analysis to this team, or maybe analysis that we're used to applying to other teams that maybe aren't a stronger city. Because, like I say, I, I really do think we are seeing something develop here with City, and maybe some of these weaknesses that we're fearing or predicting, they, well, we may never see them mm. because this team really is that good. I think it's possible. Do you think we need to lose a game uh, <laughs> as soon as possible just to have lost a game? Well, again, but this is a ridiculous thing to say, isn't it? It kind, it kind of is, but do you see why? Do you see why I would ask? I it? can see why you ask it, but for anyone to actually think that that would be the case, it's it's ridiculous. Like, why would you want to lose a game when the alternative is you win every game you're playing? Why would you want to lose just for some people to go? Oh, okay. Well, even just to see, just to see how in the they the players' re- reaction react. as well. Yeah, but but again, yeah. like you know. Maybe City would have lost if they hadn't been so good at, at bouncing back from difficult situations. You know, they were losing against Napoli. Maybe they would have lost Dash that, out. but they were equipped to deal with it. So it's not... Obviously, we're going to learn when City do eventually lose a game, we are going to learn how they bounce back from that in the next game. Or maybe if the next game is a really weird one and they only end up getting some weird draw, we'll learn how they bounce back from that. But I think we've already seen enough of the character of this team because they've been in sticky situations and, and come through them and they're still winning. And for that reason... I don't think anyone should be hoping for a... Well, I don't think anyone's hoping for a defeat. But you know what I mean? It, it just doesn't make any sense, that line of thinking, really, from 
from anyone's point of view because City aren't winning easily. City aren't getting everything all their own way. Mm. Like it's not a fluke. They're not just winning these games. You can't take these these wins for granted and go, oh well, now they've lost. Now we'll see what they're really made of. We've seen what they're really made of. They're winning every week, which is mental. I mean, that's 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 a big enough statement, and it is. And I don't think I don't think we need to see a defeat um, to appreciate what City are doing. But again, that goes back to the Conte thing, where it's what City are doing isn't quite as obvious as step up. Yeah. Or it's not like why is he doing this? What's better? You, you know, you can't get Ray Wilkins talking about it on Sky Sports News on a Sunday morning. You know what? What's better? It's just uh, oh, they're just playing better than last season. Mm, How? Uh, yeah, no. I don't know. I think there's a. I think there's definitely a, a a level of sophistication to what Guardiola is doing, which which because there's a level of sophistication to it, it bothers parts of. British media and and just England in general who kind of view football in some corners they view it quite simplistically. Hey Howard, isn't it great listening to Sam talk about City? Do you not feel like I, I don't know why I'm worried here? We're gonna we're gonna win every game. I'm embarrassed for him to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's a United fan really. Anyway, <laughs> it's just a cover. Oh, God, into it. Don't say things like that. We can't. We 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 can't ask him when he comes on our podcast. That's just not a cool thing to do. <laughs> Sam, I believe you're a United fan. It's fine. Don't worry. No, no, I am. Um, it's just I thought you'd stormed off. We're just in a bit actually. of an ex- exceptional, yes, <laughs> exceptional kind of period, aren't we? I, I really just do think this City team's special, or has yeah. certainly has the potential to be. I think that's the thing, Sam. That I think that, um, and you know, if I, United I reckon, are really good as well, I'd I'd say the same about them. Mm, I'm just quite I realistic just, about what they are at the moment. To, to be fair, but I'm not a journalist. But to be fair, if United were as good as City, I wouldn't say they're that good. Uh, I'd probably not go on the podcast. But <laughs> okay. Um, no, listen. Um, I think that's kind of what it is. I think that with with a lot of Blues right now, I think there's this sense of you know maybe we do need to lose a game because maybe we want our feet to be on the ground, and it's it's just difficult to be in this situation. It sounds weird, but it's tricky to be in a situation where you win every week. You're expected to win every week, but then isn't that what a big club mentality yeah, yeah. is? And isn't just roll exactly with it, just enjoy it, yeah. Exactly. Like it's, exactly. It's a ridiculous situation to be in. It's mad. Howard, let's just you you take the man's advice. Just roll with it and enjoy it. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll try. Yeah. When we're fi- <laughs> when we're fifteen points clear, I'll I'll start enjoying it. Yeah. To be ah. to be fair, Howard said you know twelve points for the next th- next four games. He's he's certainly no doom and gloom merchant. <laughs> he's definitely no doom and, and to gloom be honest, merchant. Ten is and- not a disaster anyway. No, ten ten will ten would be absolutely fine. Although you you just know after that one draw, everyone will be like, oh, now we'll see if they're any good or not. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Now we'll see what this fraud Guardiola's made of. Okay, gentlemen, I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the Premier League because there is a league below Man City, even though we love to only talk about Man City. Um, we've not got a lot of time, so we'll Sam. I'm interested in yours and Howard's take on on a few different things. I'm going to start with uh, the managerial merry-go-round, uh, and we're going to start with the Dildo Brothers, West Ham, Billich, Moyes, all that business. Um, Howard Billich had to go, didn't he? Yes or no? Uh, yeah, he had to go. Yeah, he's, he's, I lo- I really like him. I have to see why, as a fan, you'd like him. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's that great a manager. So. Mm. Um. Sam, mm. David Moyes, good appointment, bad appointment <laughs> for West Ham. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. Um, <laughs> terrible, isn't it? It's going to be a terrible appointment. It's going to. It could be. If you don't like West Ham, it could be a. It could be a funny season for you. <laughs> I can't be doing with Karen Brady. So um, yeah, for for me, I uh, I do hope they go down. But I'm, I shouldn't say things like that. It's terrible. Um, to be honest, though, what you what's really the option for them? I mean, yeah, but oh. Just to Sam, just to go back to you really quickly. Um, so really, you think that you don't think that Moyes is like the perfect kind of no. troubleshooter. He's a broken for... man, isn't he? Like he, he's just he's just finished. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's a big call, that is, mate. That's a well, really big call. But look, at, I mean, let's let's go on the evidence. Like the evidence suggests he is finished. It's a fair point. I mean, his his time at Sunderland was... And that was, was shocking what he did to Sunderland because they, the yeah. main reason they didn't sack him was because they thought, well, we'll go down and we've still got Moyes and we'll be we'll build a solid team. And as soon as they got relegated, he just left. I mean, that was shocking. I think I, I think he's finished. 
He's still got two it's years of his. Uh, still got two years of his United contract. Yeah, United done deal, it. yeah. And he's. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, I read that. He's on his third job he, since then. So he's got it's his third job since since United, but he's still got two years on his on his lifetime United contract to run. Okay, so that that was fairly quick and fairly short, and fairly sharp. Uh, let's move to the other comedy club in the uh, bottom six currently, and that will be uh, Everton. Now. I want to start by talking a little bit about David Unsworth and Britain's obsession with British coaches. Um, Sam, I don't know a lot about David Unsworth as a coach. Do you know anything more that would maybe give me some insight as to why people in the media believe that he would be a good fit for a job of that size and that magnitude? Uh, no, I don't. But are do people are people seriously suggesting he should be a good fit, or is it just people like yeah. Phil Neville? Are they really? Yeah, but no. You, but isn't Phil you, Neville a big? Isn't Phil Neville a voice? With, yeah, but like, you can see why he says that. No, because all the same he's just is, Everton. Yeah, it? he bleeds. He's banging his own drum. Yeah, it's all the he bleeds blue type drivel, isn't it? He knows Everton inside and out. That's all they know about him. <laughs> That's okay. the argument for saying he'll be good because he knows the club. Uh, but it doesn't okay. really work like that in the real world, does it? So, no. So, if we're going to move on into the real world, Howard, if you were if you were the owner of Everton, yeah, who would you be looking to appoint, or what kind of manager would you be looking to appoint right now? <sighs> good God, <laughs> uh, a good one. No, because Everton are a club like I, I. Everton are a lot like City in many respects, and 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 they've got a big supporter base who turn up week in, week out, and it's very much a community-driven club and a local club. So I'm curious as to, they've got Moshiri and they've got some type of finance, like they've got some money basically, and they obviously spent it really badly. But what do you do in a situation like that? Do they, should they go, well, you know... There is a tear in it. I think Yashiri wants a glamour, you know, a glamour appointment. Whereas, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Ken... Is it Wayne Wright? So I've got his Ken name. Wright. Ken Wright. Yes, <laughs> got his name the wrong way around. Ken Wayne. <laughs> <Yeah. Wright. laughs> when, when Kane Wright uh, <laughs> wants someone like Sam Allardyce, doesn't it? This is the big question. Like you know, the, the fear of dropping out the the uh, of the Premier League, and that that fear could see you getting someone like Allardyce in. Mm. But I'd hope they take a risk. But they're not going to get. Are they really going to get Simeone they've been linked with? I just can't see it. I'd go... F- I don't see anything wrong than, say, going for the Wolves manager or someone someone with a philosophy who wants to... He's already rejected that right. job. No, uh, yeah, I'm not saying he'd take it, but someone with a philosophy who... Who's... Daishinho from Burnley? Yeah, just... Uh... He's on the up. He's definitely on the up. He's a manager. He's a coach who is highly respected and, and is talked about a lot in England and within the media and has talked himself about deserving a bigger job. I'll throw this over but to Sam. Sam Daishinho for Everton. Just say they you haven't got the players, f- though, have they, that suit his style anyway? Because they bought 10, no. they bought, they I, I bought think 10 still midfielders, look. aren't they, that all do the same thing? So. I think Everton should look to kind of have yeah an exciting team. Um, thing is, I can kind of see the appeal of Allardyce, but one season and it's even if you keep us up or even if you win the FA Cup or whatever you're gone mm. um, and then they get back because the thing is the team at the moment it's not there's, there is a, I mean, and I know it's the, it's the one thing everyone talks about but they do have a real lack of pace don't they and it's not a particularly they've got some good individuals but it's not like a really exciting team that you could really see someone coming in and doing a great job with um, so I could I could see the temptation to get Allardyce in and make sure they're safe, but then next summer give it you know proper investment and a and a see who's, see who's available then. But at the same time, I I still think Everton they should be alright with what they've got, and if they can get Thomas Tuchel, if he wants to do it, then I think some somebody like that would be good. And I think Marco Silva was mentioned as well, wasn't he? Because yeah, he's going to be mentioned now for every job until he's eventually president of America. I think. That's good. <laughs> just keep, like every five months, he's going to get a new job. Yeah. He's that good, though. To be fair, no, no, he is. He but it's just funny. But it's kind of deal. funny, though. Now, in it, how it's like we've got this one coach now in England, and it's, we'll we'll be claiming him as British soon enough. But it's just kind of he's <laughs> got this one coach now, and it's like, oh, Marcus Silva's great, isn't he? 
it's just like the first example of everything. He'll be people will be saying he should be the next Arsenal manager, and then in a few years when he's probably out of work or working in like Lithuania or something, people will be dragging up articles going. Do you remember when we said he should be Arsenal manager, like Owen Coyle? Mm. Hey, could um, could Everton attract attract a manager like Simeone or no. Tuchel, somebody <laughs> with a continental reputation? Uh, Is the Premier League well, not itself not enough of a draw? I think I think Tuchel could be good and would be good, and I, I think I think it's possible. That's kind of why I've said it. But I mean, maybe not. But yeah. you know, Everton are need funds, wouldn't they? So if they promise funds, I see it's possible. But Simeone just doesn't seem plausible to me. No, well, I don't know why he'd do that. I, I mean, because Chelsea are running out of managers as well. When Conte goes, they won't have many more they can actually hire. So Simeone, you think, <laughs> yeah. would be on their list. Just give it to Giggsy until the end of the season. <laughs> Please, someone give him a job. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm the, the, the first run of 9320 t-shirts, they're just going to say give it to Giggsy on the front. <laughs> that's that's it. That's gonna be, That's how I'm branding all the 9320 merch. Give it to Giggsy. That should be our... <laughs> Our slogan forever. Um, okay, who's going to finish higher this season, Liverpool or United? Howard? Oh, uh, United, because they'll lose fewer okay. games. So. Okay, Sam? Yeah, United. God, hopefully. Jesus. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, we'll save the, because uh, we've got a whole, we, we had a whole section on Liverpool that we were going to we were gonna go into, but we'll we'll save that for, for next week's League Matters. Uh, because there's one, one, Final thing I want to look at quickly, and that's the uh, the bottom six sides in the Premier League who are currently Everton, West Brom, Bournemouth, Swansea, West Ham and Crystal Palace. Um, firstly, just given the, the respect of resources... There. Sorry? A lot of British coaches there, funnily enough. <laughs> Sorry, Sam, carry on. You, you're never going to get invited on to Richard Keyes and Andy Gray's flagship no. show in Dubai yeah. or wherever it is, if Qatar. you keep belittling Brit- British coaches in this fashion. So you have to stop that. Yeah. But seriously, of those six, considering the, the respective squads and the resources and the managers at all those clubs, Sachs managers also, who's underperformed the most so far of those six? So I'll remind you again, Everton, West Brom, Bournemouth, Swansea, West Ham and Crystal Palace. I mean, it probably would have to be Everton. Um, even with the fact that nobody kind of realised in the summer that although they've spent money, half of it was the Lukaku money and they still needed to replace 25 goals a season. But even mm. even with that said, I think Everton is prob- probably the obvious one. I think West Brom have just hit that kind of Pulis, this that time in the Pulis cycle now, isn't it, where he comes in and does the job he needs to do. And then for a while, they're kind of flirting with being the best of the rest, maybe eighth or ninth. But then after that, it just, it just all falls apart and everyone hates it. I think they've got to that. Um, Palace is interesting, isn't it? Because yeah. obviously they wanted they wanted to kind of do this new style, but gave it five minutes and not didn't really invest in it. And, and now they're kind of getting what they deserve, really. But they've only yeah, got Everton's. they've only got four points as well. So you've got to say mm. they're the biggest underachievers, really. And I don't think they scored a goal for about seven games. Did see? I think it's I think it's crazy because like. At, I see what you're saying about Everton, and and I would probably, on paper, agree with that. But I everyone thought they were nailed on for sixth. Yeah, seventh, I think sorry. West Ham and Palace quietly, yeah, uh, have done a monumental job of of uh, screwing their seasons up. Because on again, if you look at those squads on paper, they're not Palace in particular. I mean, you look through the spine, and you've got Kabai, Benteke, Zaha. Um, yeah, they haven't got any defenders. It's fair to say. Uh, oh no, they've got Sacco again. They've got they, they bought Sacco from Liverpool. So you, you you kind of you look at the collection of players there, and you'd feel like they'd be much higher up the table. I think with West Ham as well, a problem, though, isn't it? collection of players, and there's never any coaching yeah. either. Like Billich was just it was basically they just they just got on with it, didn't they? Yeah, he's a bit like he, Billich reminds me a little bit of Stuart Pearce, weirdly enough, in that he's he's a guy who publicly seems very 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 likable and you know just a good honest. Football coach, football manager, and then you just read horror stories from behind the scenes at the club that just make you think, yeah, these guys are not really of the level required to be managing Premier League football clubs. Because like you say, Billich didn't really do any coaching, did he? I mean, they got progressively worse defensively as... 
the longer he was there, which is it's quite some feat, I think, with a club like that. Um, okay, of those six, who's not getting relegated and who is? Everton will be all right, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Swansea do. I don't, yeah. Because they've got. Yeah, the, Swansea look terrible, don't they? Because they've got really a good, bad. Yeah, the manager will pretty, rate pretty much, but they're just. Uh, Swansea, one of those teams, are just. You don't know why, but they've always got enough. They play attractive football, they get enough points, they do quite well, but the minute you stop getting those results, you just don't know where they can go from there. They just don't know how they'll turn it around. They won't have the finances to splash big in January. And their attractive football style, I don't know if they've got a plan B really, to to play boring football and try and win some points. So uh, even though Palace are adrift, I still think, as you said, Ace, and that squad's more than good enough to pick up some points. You know, we've got tw- 27 games left. So it could be Swansea, Bournemouth, West Brom, to be honest. I think Palace will go. They're surely... They're not too far off the team above them, are they? But I think... Yeah, four points God. off 19th, so... Yeah, 19th nah, is still down there, isn't it? Yeah, I think... I still think they're Palace gone. are in trouble. Yeah. Um, I, Sam, do you think West Ham will stay up? No. Not with, okay, not, so not with Moisey. West, West Ham will go. So that leaves Swansea, Bournemouth, West Brom and Everton. Of those four, you think any of those four are in danger of being relegated? Yeah, Swansea might be, yeah. I think okay. Bournemouth have picked up um, a bit, haven't they? I'm sure they've, they've not just won a couple of away games, but uh, I think I think Swansea are the... I'd, I'd pick Swansea to go with those other two, yeah. Okay. If you've, so you don't if think... you've had to pick those other two. <laughs> if In terms of the promoted sides then, um, are they all going to stay up? Let me Let me have a look. Well, I was, I, was, I was just trying to think off the top of my head, the teams we haven't mentioned that could easily get sucked in. Um, there's always th- one in there that gets sucked. There's always yeah, a like, team. There's always one, yeah. But the, the thing is, they normally have like a really good start, but nobody's nobody's really had that, have they? Like they've just they've yeah. been okay, but they've just not been disastrous. Um, I'd, of, of the lot, I'd probably say Brighton. Brighton most likely to go down. Um, well, that's crazy because they're eighth and they've got 15 points already. Yeah, um, maybe I'm talking bollocks, but I just think, but- I just think Brighton. I don't know why. Okay, interesting. It's funny if you. They don't at, seem to have. I don't at, know. They don't seem to have a lot. But they seem to be more than the sum of their parts. Yeah, at the same yeah. Time. Obviously, well, there's a lot to be said really, for that. You know, if you look at if you look at the mediocre amount of points that that Palace, Swansea, and West Ham have picked mm. up, and then and then you look at the fact that Brighton have picked up 15 points from the same amount of fixtures. I mean, you know, it does suggest that that they would have enough to... I just think it's interesting that Newcastle, Huddersfield and Brighton all find themselves above, you know, Stoke, Everton, Southampton, mm. Leicester, it's Palace, West Ham. I mean, West Brom, these are all big Premier League clubs, you know what I mean? And, okay, Newcastle are a big club and they've come back up, but certainly you look at Huddersfield and, and Brighton and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting... Uh, how the rest of this season unfolds, I would tend to agree with with you, Sam. I think that I think Palace and Swansea are uh, are going to get relegated, and then we'll see whether Moisey can take uh, can take West Ham down. It'd be a uh, it'd be quite an achievement if he uh, if he did do that. It would be equal to him getting the United job in a weird <laughs> I way. I think he did manage to take West Ham down. I think Huddersfield are the one who'd be sucked in for me because I think. If they start conceding goals, I don't think they've got the goals themselves to outscore other teams. Probably say the same really? as Brighton. Too yeah, I just I don't know. I just think they're this Klopp disciple. I think the winter, the the rush of games could be harsh on them. But we'll see what depth of squad they've got. But there is usually one of the three who'll get sucked in. And I guess Newcastle have just got a bit more strength and depth and resources, haven't they? And they've got Rafa Benitez, mm. you know, a wily old uh, operator. Hey, how many of the teams that I picked to uh, to do well this season are in the bottom three? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna guess at three. <laughs> no, Palace were the Palace. I think Palace Palace were the yeah. only one in the bottom three. But Palace and Everton were my uh, were my dark horses to do well this season. Go on, Asan. How's that for a prediction? Uh, okay, on that note, because I'm sure that it's uh, it's made everybody smile. Uh, I'm going to wrap this Friday show up. Um, 
Mr. Sam Lee, thank you very much. Uh, cheers, mate. Uh, hoping it wasn't too rambly. No, that's cool, <laughs> man. It was a fr- fr- Friday shows are nice. They're relaxed, especially when it's not a game at the weekend. You can just kind of look around the league and look back. Yeah, at the that's why I'll never go on Keys and Grey, though. Too much talking. They never have any other advert breaks. Yeah. <laughs> it's very true. And also, because if think you it- lot keep slagging off Custis and Alison Rudd, then I'm, I'm never going to go on anything, am I? <laughs> May listen. We we should uh, we should maybe refrain from slagging off other people in the media when you are on the pod because you know it, it might reflect badly upon you. You never know. And 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 as much as I like goal, I do want you to get a, a bigger and a better job one day, Sam. One day you'll be running the uh, the Times football section or something like that. Oh. well, I look forward nice. to that. Although back in the office, a lot a lot being out there, a lot being out there, don't I? Seeing ah, seeing games, right. speaking to that's people. It. You like to be you like to be in with the kids. Yeah. Uh, well. Okay, Mister <laughs> Howard Hawking. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Pleasure. Oh. Sorry, Sam. That <laughs> was, uh, I was just pissing about. It's <laughs> <this> Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, to everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the ninety three twenty Friday show. Um, we will be back next week with a preview of our um, league game against Leicester. We will also have part three on the 93-20 player of our Talking History pod on the Mercer Allison years. Is that correct, Howard? It'll be out next week? Uh, if you do it, yeah. <laughs> if you edit yes. it, it should I, be, yes. It's all it recorded be, and done and ready to go, yeah. So, yeah, so that will be out next week as well. But, yeah, in the meantime, if you like what we do, um, think about going over to the 9320 player and subscribing. Only £4 a month gets you plenty of content. So, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Bye.